Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome, everyone, back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. Is that what we are? Yes. Um, it's a new year, Tracy. I guess. I'm joined by Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how the hell are you here in the year of our Lord, Anno Domini, 2023? I'm really good, Dave. Isn't it fun to wake up to good news? I thought you were going to stop at wake up. Or just <laughs> at my age? Yeah. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it fun to wake up? Double bonus. <laughs> yeah, the double bonus of waking up to the good news uh, just this morning. Breaking news. Uh, Ball State running back uh, Carson Steele uh, played two years at Ball State, transferring in to UCLA. Uh, top remaining running back target on the market in the transfer portal for UCLA landed him. Uh, this is a huge get for me. Yeah. Um, you know, we've been saying the expectation would be given what Zach Charbonnet did with uh, the ball this year and just Chip Kelly's offense. I, I mean, it was the number one, I think, rushing attack in the country, at least for the vast majority of the season. It would have been a disappointment if they didn't go out and get an immediate impact running back. Um, yeah. And there were plenty, from what I've heard, there were others lining up too. But they really liked this guy. Um, not only because of his running style, but on the official visit that he took, he vastly impressed, impressed them um, just with his personality, uh, the reputation for just being a hardworking guy. And it, I guess all of that came out in his official visit. Did, did you read what Steve Wilfong wrote yeah, on the yeah. forum? Yeah, that's a, that's a great thing. That's, that's a kind of real ringing endorsement uh, for the man of. So now UCLA has two men of steel. It's true. It's That's true. kind of fun. It's it's really good. Yeah. It's really good. Um, yeah, this is actual steel. Um, You've watched tape of him. I mean, you. Uh, the one question would be, you know, would it translate to, um, you know, power five football? And I, and I think he does because he's so strong and um, runs between the tackles with so much power. I, I think it – I think – his running style does translate. Yeah. And I don't know that he's going to necessarily, um, I mean, he's definitely not going to be Zach Charbonnet, but I think he can, if you, if you concede that ball States run scheme is probably not as good as chip Kelly's, right. Then translating, you know, five and a half yards per carry to UCLA, that doesn't seem out of the question. Um, and he's obviously, I mean, this past year he ran just, just pure counting numbers, he ran almost 300 times. Um, that alone 
at the major college football level, power five, whatever group of five, um, just being able to do that, uh, you know, average over 20 carries a game is it, that's pretty profound shows. You've got durability, um, strength, toughness, all that stuff. Um, so I think it's I think it's really good. I mean, I I think if you're expecting him to be Charbonnet, you're going to be disappointed. But if you're expecting a starter quality back here, I think that's right. I think that's correct. I, I think, think he that's can correct. be a starter for uh, UCLA next year and potentially the year after, depending on what they do in recruiting. Uh, but no, this is necessary get uh, because if and we'll get to the Sun Bowl talk, but um, no. walking away from that game. I came away concerned about running back. Uh, this this assuages a lot of that concern. Yeah, a lot of people are encouraged by TJ Harden, and I think he has a bright future. But next season, and, and you'd have to think he's going to – he improved over the course of the season from when we saw him in fall camp to the end of the year. Um, but I, I, if there's something that's missing from that room is a, is a proven every down starter level – guy who's done it in college football he ran for 1500 yards this year so the the question always too is and it's interesting in in this era of transfer recruiting you, you think well now they have a, a completely loaded running back room and someone's you you'd have to think someone's got to leave um and you have to think of it that you're trading Carson Steele for someone else who's on the roster. Uh, that's what we said, like with Dante Moore, you're, you might trade him for Justin Martin. Uh, yeah. And the so, priority here has to keep, be keeping Harden. Um, Harden is the uh, future, the potential, all that kind of stuff. So keeping him in the fold, you know, pitching him on the idea of being some sort of, you know, I don't know. They're not really thunder and lightning. They'd be kind of thunder and thunder, but whatever. Um, but pitching him on that because I think you got to keep him. But the rest of the running back room, I mean, the reality is not super productive, um, putting it kindly, um, and a lot of deficiencies in the rest of the room. So I think if you go into next year with a trio of um, Steele, uh, uh, TJ Harden, Anthony Adkins, um, you can kind of figure out everything after that. Yeah. And uh, you know, they'll, they'll sort it out in, in spring practice too. You know, if, if it, we'll see how it shakes out. We'll see how everyone does. And then there's that window that opens for the transfer portal after spring practice in May. So yeah, that should be, that should be another crazy portal, uh, uh, time in space <laughs> there's so many crazy portaling times in space seriously we're traveling through portals we had been saying that post bowl games um it the transfer portal would blow up again and i i think you can say these three days have been a uh will constitute a blow up um some of the yeah. guys who have gone in uh to the transfer portal um are pretty exciting anthony lucas the five-star former five-star defensive lineman from Arizona, uh, Scottsdale Chaparral, who went to Texas A&M. Um, I've heard UCLA is really on him hard and that UCLA will have a, a good shot with him. Um, his parents are professors, according to Professor Angulo. 
Um, <laughs> and he will be looking for, he might be looking for academics this time around, which, you know, UCLA would, would be the place. And um, if y'all remember, he grew up a UCLA fan. So UCLA will be on him. And that, that's a pretty exciting recruitment right there to, to watch. But there are going to be more. Um, I wrote I wrote that thing at the beginning of the week on Monday about pretty much how Chip Kelly has turned over New Leaf, and I just keep hearing more and more he's 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 saying and doing all the right things. He really pushed to get Carson Steele admitted into UCLA, something that he he had not readily done previously. So that was part of the New Leaf right there, um, and then. I mean, we can segue into defensive coordinator talk, or you want to keep talking a little bit about recruiting? I mean, well, one, so you mentioned Anthony Lucas. Um, Jarrett Kingston uh, is another guy I'd be pretty excited about. Um, the Washington State transfer uh, offensive lineman. Um, he, uh, he has a lot of versatility. He started... I mean, he started a bunch of games at tackle this year, but before that, he started a ton of games at guard. Um, he would give them a guy that can rotate between positions in a way that, man, they haven't had in a little while now. Um, because they thought John Gaines was a little bit of that guy, but we saw him play tackle, and he's a guard. Um, yeah. uh, Kingston is that guy. He can rotate between tackle and guard. So... Um, you know, potential starting quality tackle, but also if injuries, he's a guy who has that plug and play versatility. So that's a huge get for me too. Um, yeah, and amazing. Ab- him. What's amazing about that? He's gotten offers and uh, interest from some major programs across the country. Um, he's visiting UCLA this weekend. He since he put his name in the portal, this will be his only official visit. Now, of course, he might just take an Uber over to USC, but I would bet you is going to do everything they can to shut down Uber. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And that recruitment this weekend. Cause and, that, yep. that would shore up. It wouldn't just shore up offensive line. I think it would make it so that offensive line is a clear and far and away strength next year. Yes. Um, um and you're going to need that starting uh, a new quarterback at, uh, at that position. And then there's Jordan Anderson, the Bowling Green safety. Have you transfer? Have you watched him on tape? Yes, I watched him a little bit this morning. Dang, I re- a Darius Pickett type kind of guy, right? Yeah, he's a hitter. Um, I like him a lot. I like him. I love the I love the five ten safeties that have a chip on their shoulder. Yeah, no, he plays with a real chip, um, a lot of aggression. Um, I like him a lot. Um, we actually watched him this year. We who, watched who, him this year. Yeah. And it was one of the reasons why UCLA jumped all over him because they did a thorough scout on Bowling Green and came away saying, that kid's a player. Yeah. So that would also go a long way um, if they can somehow uh, get him on campus. And uh, Well, he's he, yeah, official visit this weekend. So, I mean, let's just look at that. Carson Steele, um, if they could get Jordan Anderson and Jared Kingston this weekend on those official visits. And then Anthony Lucas – Dang. Guys, this is actually things to be really excited about in recruiting. Things are happening. Things are happening at great pace. Um, All right. So you want to move on to defensive coordinator talk? I guess so. All right. 
So, uh, we all watched the bowl game, correct? Well. I can hear everyone just m- moaning in, in we response. Should, we should have done a... a- we should have done a poll of how many people, and don't lie, how many people thought the game was over when UCLA scored that, when TJ Harden scored that touchdown. You absolutely, so, okay, if anyone did, you have not been watching enough UCLA football over the years. They could have scored um, two touchdowns in 34 seconds. <laughs> I was I was like, oh, they definitely scored too quick. This this game is this game is over, but it's over the other way. Um so I, I want to give quick thoughts on that game very quick before we get to the defensive coordinator talk. Okay. Um, two things. Hold two things within your mind at once. Be like me, a philosopher king. Very, very disappointing game. Very disappointing performance. Defensive performance was really, really bad. So many mistakes. Yada, yada, yada. Pitt is a very bad football team. They got extremely lucky to win that game, even with UCLA being pretty bad. Uh, two tipped balls falling into the hands of uh, defensive backs is insane. Like, Pitt only got its hands on five balls, and on average, you should be picking off about one and three, one and four of the balls that you get your hands on. I love your talk right now, Dave. (laughs) They picked off four of them. Four of the five times they got their hands on balls, they picked them off. (laughs) Then, God, I'm immature. Okay, keep going. Keep going. Uh, then, Tracy, there were three fumbles in this game, two by Pitt, one by UCLA. Do you know which team recovered all three of them? Pitt. This is stuff that is the weird way the ball bounces. So UCLA coached poorly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Played poorly, sure. Uh, also, extremely unlucky. They should have had a really uninspiring win. Instead, it was, you know, what it was. Anyway. But, but the best takeaway, and this is happening. That defensive performance really, really um, I don't know, emboldened the program, specifically Chip Kelly, that there needs to be changes on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, an upgrade in talent and a change in coaching. Uh, we're going to talk very delicately about this, um, about defensive coordinator. We're delicate men. What's that? We're delicate men. <laughs> um, Bill McGovern. Um, he he does have an illness. Uh, there is a question of whether he could perform his job. Uh, he wants to stay in the same capacity uh, that he was hired, which was as defensive coordinator. Um, I, yeah. I, I kind of just want to deflect some of the criticism towards McGovern of people saying that he's holding out for the money. From what I've heard, it's more that he's just a football coach and he wants he wants to coach during this time of his life. It's kind of how it is. So you can imagine, you know, when I put up that story and people, all the hardliners were saying he performed, he didn't perform his job well fire he can be fired it's a lot and then thankfully a lot of the attorneys came on and explained why there's a lot of nuance gray area and potential pitfalls Uh, but i am hearing since i wrote that story i've heard another update that it does look like it's going to be worked out um and that chip kelly will be 
has been in the process a bit as much as he can and will be looking for a new defensive coordinator. Um, and I know that he's shooting very high. Now, whether he can, he can get like a really ideal big name coordinator, it's always a question whether, you know, the guy wants to come, whether you can pay him enough. A lot of other jobs that are offered, you know, maybe he just doesn't like L.A. There are a lot of questions when, when you start looking for coaches. But that looks like it's going to happen. Now, whether that will happen fast, um, I'm skeptical it will. I heard again yesterday that it there is movement on it this week so far. Um, realistically, in time for the transfer recruiting official visit weekend, this weekend, almost certainly not. I'd be stunned. Um, but that's all moving, I think, in a positive direction for everyone involved. Um, so, yeah, uh, we could see ourselves come out on the other side of this with a new defensive coordinator at UCLA. Uh, hopefully a big name guy that draws in transfer recruits, kind of like the Dante Moore Pied Piper effect on the offensive side that this defensive coordinator starts attracting transfer recruits. Um, yeah, and a I lot mean, of that, just one more thing, a lot of that what's tied in was kind of the, the new impression of UCLA that it is in the NIL game as a result of getting Dante Moore. UCLA didn't sign a deal, an NIL deal with Dante Moore because you can't, you can't pay for play. But it's clear to the rest of the country that Dante Moore would not have come to UCLA unless there was a potential for NIL money. Um, so that has opened the eyes of a lot of transfer recruits. The way, the way NIL is working, it, it probably isn't the number one reason why a lot of recruits go somewhere, but it's top three. It's one of the factors that, makes, that helps make a decision. And it has to be there if... There are other, they're deciding between other programs and one program doesn't have NIL money available, that, that could be a factor. So UCLA now has that component, which is key <laughs> uh, to go along with all its other advantages. It certainly worked with Dante Moore and now Dante Moore is kind of the poster boy out there for UCLA obviously being involved in NIL. So it's all good. Hopefully that works with the defensive, a new defensive coordinator also that you've got the attraction of NIL money at UCLA and the attraction of playing for potentially a big name defensive coordinator. So two things. Uh, one, uh, everyone out there, if you have not yet begun giving to the men of Westwood collectives for or collective for basketball and football, uh, I'm going to drop the links in the story for this podcast. Get started. Um, the The collective is going to need your support uh, to continue to be competitive in uh, presenting an overall NIL picture to um, players and so forth. Uh, two, um, the philosophy change is the key thing here with uh, the defensive coordinator potential hire. Um, it's so uh, obviously the impact for this recruiting cycle would be huge, but 
the most important thing is coming at it from a perspective, from an idea that you need to go hire somebody who's going to coach a good defense, um, who's going to create a good defense. And uh, I think with the McGovern hire, uh, I think it was – I don't think he was like, oh, this guy's going to have a mediocre to bad defense, but I think it was comfort level. I think it was, okay, this guy, you know, he, he's going to run – He also else. wasn't first choice. Yeah, and he wasn't first choice. Yeah. But also, um, he's a guy I know. I'm comfortable with him. I'm comfortable with his – you know his general philosophy all this kind of stuff the 425 they already had the personnel for that he would plug into that there were a lot of factors there were a lot of factors uh this i think will be more okay who can we get that's out there who's who's who is uh you know one of the top names who's somebody who would bring a lot of juice to this who also can coach a hell of a defense and i think that's that's the most important aspect of this. Um, and if if that takes a month, if that takes two months, fine. But that's the part that is um, critical because next year's team, I mean, we, we, we'll, we'll start talking about this in earnest over the next few months. But with how they're reloading at certain spots and with looking at the schedule for next year, the window's still open for UCLA to have a pretty damn good season. Uh, quarterback is obviously going to be a question, you know, whether Dante Moore is ready from the jump, but a lot of the, a lot of the questions on offense are getting answered pretty good, but the big thing and the big thing for the last few years has been, what's the defense going to look like? And if you go get a good defensive coordinator, that more than anything else could provide a sea change on that side of the ball. Yeah, I'd say I'm, I'm, I'm approaching Starting to, I mean, obviously very early thinking about next season, but I'm approaching thinking that UCLA is going to be good. A defensive coordinator, at least one safety transfer. Um, and I'm just talking minimum of what I would think. Um, and maybe one cornerback, an impact cornerback, just not a guy who might slightly be better than the cornerbacks that are on the roster, but an impact cornerback. I mean, I'd love to see another inside linebacker, but man, I don't know if if that's going to happen. If that's in the cards, uh, I like I like the makeup of the defensive line. I could see them being pretty good next year with a, uh, another year of improvement. Uh, they do need like a three technique. They have basically two nose tackles who were starting when they were healthy, and Gary Smith and Jay Toya. Um, so you, you want that versatile, you know, Anthony Lucas is probably <laughs> is the ideal guy. Six, six to 70 can move around on the line. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty close. I, if they got Jared Kingston, uh, of course, another impact receiver would be great, but if they got Jared Kingston on offense, they're pretty, I'm, much I'm pretty, I'm feeling pretty good about the offense. Um, yeah. here's the thing too. I want to just go back. The NIL Collective, Men of Westwood. We've been a little reluctant because we're all kind of just, I wouldn't say walking on eggshells, but we're being cautious about what, you know, what to say about NIL. It's so new. It's such a new thing. But the, the NIL Collective of Men of Westwood has made one of the biggest impacts on UCLA sports that I can, I can remember. Um, it, it started off really helping uh, doing NIL for the basketball team.
team, doing it very effectively. And then the football program saw what it was doing for the basketball program and enlisted it for football. And I can tell you, they didn't sign a deal for Dante, for Dante Moore, but without Men of Westwood, Dante Moore isn't coming to UCLA. So if you all want to, if you've all been looking for something that's doing real work with, with the right mindset for UCLA football and basketball in your lifetime, I don't know how to even pump this up as much as it is deserved. If you want a good football program and you like the way it's trending with the way they are, uh, you know, Dante Moore, uh, give to the men of Westwood. Set up a monthly donation. It's pretty cool too. If you go to a, the game, uh, recent games at Pauley, they've Men of Westwood now has big old advertisement on the on the center uh, screen, the monitor. Yeah. So they're they're getting they're getting and out they're there. Official. They're official. Martin Jarman, send out an email. Um, we are their online partner. I think is the uh, is the terminology. That's us. That's us. Uh, so you can give through those uh, those links that I'm going to put in the story description, but. Um, whatever you can afford is great. Um, if it's 10 bucks a month, it all adds up. Um, but whatever you can afford, um, and if you can afford more, if it's important to you, then get in there. Um, and on the men of Westwood website, um, if you are, uh, uncomfortable giving through a form, you can reach out. Uh, I will say if you're uncomfortable giving through a form and it's like a hundred bucks you're interested in giving, then that's not the route. But if you're interested in giving a high dollar amount, but you don't want to necessarily do it through a form, reach out via email. Uh, it's on the website for menofwestwood.com. Uh, and just let them know that you're coming from bro um, because uh, it's just great to track, um, you know, where these are coming from. But, yeah, I mean, we want to know. We get, in our minds, we're getting credit. We're helping out. But if you just want to send it and forget it, uh, the best way to do it is through the form because uh, you can set up, like if you can give a hundred bucks a month, you set it up in there and then you don't have to worry about it because it'll continue to draw from it until you cancel it. It's easy to cancel um, if you <laughs> if you grow dissatisfied. Um, but there's uh, there's ways to do it. But um, get in there and do it. It's uh, it's officially sanctioned UCLA. So um, time is now. It's an exciting time. It truly is. Um, given the new leaf of football, given Mick Cronin as the coach in basketball, the big 10 coming out of COVID. Uh, it, it's, it's going to be exciting. UCLA will have, we're just not talking NIL. UCLA will have money um, with the media deal in the big 10. So there's a possibility there's a UCLA out there that we have never really seen before. So this is your chance to be a part of that. Yes. Yes. Some very uh, exciting stuff. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Basketball? Basketball. All right. So let's start with uh, the team because I think, uh, you know, we, we tend to get into like recruiting and next year and all that kind of stuff. But this team is really freaking good, Tracy. They're really good. They're really, 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 really good. And I want that to be said more than enough. Has it been said enough? Yes. No, say it one more time. They're really good. All right. So, um, this past weekend was the Washington trip. Uh, Friday, they 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 <laughs> they spent a lot of that game trying to give UCLA fans maybe the most disappointing day in recent history. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then pulled it out at the end, and I think everyone more or less came away with the very correct impression of that game, which is there are games where you are not going to be peak performance, where you are going to kind of suck. You're going to be lethargic. It's not going to be fun. You're gonna be like, why am I in Pull? Why am I in? Is that was that Pullman? Yeah. Why am I in Pullman? <laughs> why why can't I be home? Why am I in Eastern Washington? What is life? What's wrong? I want to be celebrating New Year's Eve at home. Who invented liquid soap and why? Yeah, all this stuff. Just yeah. I'm sad and I don't know who to talk to. Anyway, that was the team. They I don't think anyone played with like peak energy, peak performance. But last seven minutes, they did. They turned it on. And they were able to pull one out. And it wasn't like one of those uninspiring, oh, Alford's team pulled it out. It was like, yeah, you're going to need to win a game like that. And frankly, most really good teams need to win a game like that in the NCAA tournament. There's always that game. It's usually in the second round. It's usually like, oh, God. Missouri. Exactly. It's every, but like it happens frequently. Howland's team has had this really frequently. Uh, UCLA had it last year. Um, There's just a game like that. And they they handled it. And then they went in and uh, beat the living piss out of Washington. Yeah, Just... so let's talk about those that one day first. After watching UCLA's, and I wrote two stories on this, watching UCLA's football defense just collapse, roll over, give up the game, to then watch UCLA's basketball defense. I mean, basketball, I mean, sorry, defense won that game in Pullman. Yeah. Uh, seven yeah. and a half minutes, they did not get a basket. I mean, yeah. I rewatched the last 10 minutes a couple of times. If you want some entertainment, <laughs> go watch the last 10 minutes of the Washington State game. They they can't get a, sh- a decent shot off at all. Um, just fun to watch. And they uh, needed every single bit of it. Yeah. And they got it. And to watch how they played defense. It was like a thing of art almost. Uh, the rotations... Just the on-ball defense. Re- remember the last couple of years, you you opposing guards would just go right by a, a UCLA. That does not happen anymore at all. No. Um, really fun to watch in in that game. And then two things on Sunday. I watched the Washington State-USC game. I I wish I had started writing notes. Because there was so much that was just completely bad about that game. Badly 
played, badly executed, badly coached, that one after another, uh, it, it was phenomenal how bad that game was played. And then to watch UCLA play Washington, a team that also is badly coached, and then to watch a superior coached team tear them up, just rip them apart in the second half in so many ways. Um, it's just, if you're talking about fun, uh, to watch UCLA, I mean, how many, in the last six, seven games, are they averaging like six turnovers a game? Uh, yeah, it's, so they don't turn the ball over. And no matter who you are, no matter how good you are, they're going to turn you over. Um, it's it's a stunning combination. But you put up the Ken Palm stats. They're you know I think they're the sixth in offense, seventh in defense right now. Um, they are fourth in turnover percentage on offense and fourteenth in turnover percentage forced on defense. Uh, you do that, you're going to win. Almost all the time. Even like when that, you're not that, shooting well. That's just, that's stunning stuff that we, uh, this is the first time Cronin's teams have done that. Uh, they've been a, a really low turnover team on offense for the last three years. But defense, getting it to this level where it is right now, and it's not just Jalen Clark. He's a big part of it, but it's not just him. It's a little bit of contagious deflections um, where they're all kind of getting it. David Singleton's been a big part of it. Um, Jaime Hawkins, he's improved in the last ten games. He just—he's uh, such a veteran. He knows what's—he knows what's happening before it's happening. But it's just um, the 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 big thing from that game that I was kind of—I think I, I maybe undersold it in the recap. UCLA played well, and they played with like better intensity than they did on Friday. But it wasn't—they uh, could have probably annihilated that team by forty uh, on that game. Uh, they were just, you know, they were they were pretty good. Their pretty good beat a semi-talented Washington team by 25 points on the road. Yeah, that's that's pretty stunning. Well, let's nitpick now. The let's one nitpick. thing that does drive—I wouldn't say it drives me crazy, but it does annoy me—is just rebounding, specifically defensive rebounding. Yeah. If if Adembona is getting better. Clearly, he's had a streak of probably his best games, mostly because he's not in foul trouble. But he's only averaging five rebounds a game, something like that. I would have, that's a little surprising to me. I watched him enough in high school. I would have put him at about eight to 10. Um, that's the difference right there. Uh, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to hope that the, the improvement we've seen from Bona in this year to see him just inch up a little in his rebounding also. Um, that's and he the, has, and yeah, he has, he has, um, that's the one deficit though. You could see them going up against a really good rebounding team like Arizona and, and maybe struggle. Um, if that continues to improve where we are just in January, yeah, I really, I really like this team. I think it's, I think it's embodying uh, Mick Cronin's vision of what a team should be more than anything any other team he's had at UCLA. I, right now, I think it's might not get to the Final Four like the team did two years ago, which obviously was, you know, based on performance, but some luck. This team's, I think, is best in four years. No um, question about it for me, and I think yeah. it has the best chance to win a title. Now, that might mean they get bounced in the second round because the tournament is all, you know, smoke and mirrors and luck. But 
Um, if you can, it, 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 nobody on this team, aside from Amari Bailey, is turning the ball over at a high rate. Nobody. They're all, there's five guys who are ranked on Ken Palm and turnover rate on this team. Uh, Jalen Clark is elite now. He, he doesn't turn the ball over. Tiger Campbell, obviously. Uh, but speaking of Bona, okay, yeah, his defensive rebounding. But this is a guy who was fouling out of every game, you know, was doing the freshman slop thing. You know what he wasn't doing? Turning the ball over. He hasn't. He's, he's, he's a, a, he's, right now, he is third on the team in turnover rate. That's that's stunning from a freshman big. It is. Um, so there's a lot of um, really good qualities from this team, and the 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 level at which the culture of Cronin's program has already been instilled in these freshmen is uh, again pretty stunning. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk on the board about Will McClendon's minutes. Um, you know, redshirt freshman Will McClendon since he came back from the injury and how it, you know, how it relates to Dylan Andrews minutes. And my big thing is, well, Will McClendon clearly has a feel like clearly just knows what he's doing out there. It can pass the ball, but either one of these guys is a fine option because you know what they don't do. They don't turn the ball over either of them. Uh, Will McClendon literally hasn't in 74 minutes. He doesn't have a turnover and Dylan. Andrews That's phenomenal. Pretty, yeah. And Dylan Andrews is pretty close. I think he has five all year. Um, so, there's there's a lot of, it's hard not to kind of gush about it but there's a lot of really good about this team and the the kind of crazy thing is that there's still so much obvious upside um there's the bona the defensive rebounding that you just talked about there that's huge upside now i would say with the amount of turnovers they are forcing i'm guessing and this is just a guess that there's a little bit more gambling which leads to less boxing out which leads to uh, more offensive rebounds for the uh, opposing team, which you might just have to bake into it. But still, there's improvement to be had defensive rebounding. There's also just improvement to be had from a guy like, say, Amari Bailey when he gets back. Uh, he wasn't shooting well going into his injury. Um, he, he's also the only guy on the team who's really turning it over at a high rate. If he cleans that up, I mean, it's it's hard to find tremendous flaws. Obviously, there's probably a size deficiency against some of the bigger teams they might play. You know, I'm interested to watch those Arizona games because Balo and Tabellus, that's going to be a tough matchup. But other than that, this is a this is a really good team that makes up for its deficiencies with those turnover rates. Because if you give up, you know, if you give up a healthy percentage of offensive rebounds, then you're giving up extra possessions. But if you're getting them back with a much higher turnover rate than your deficiencies on the glass, it doesn't really matter because you're the the name of the game is shots. How many shots you get? How many shots they get? And if you're creating more shots with your turnover rate, with your own offensive rebounding rate, because whatever deficiencies they have on the defensive glass, it's a pretty good offensive rebounding team. You can make up for a lot of uh, a lot of possession issues. Two things to note also. I think this team's pretty good. Then I watch other games. I watched Kansas-Texas Tech yesterday. Kansas is pretty good. They're ranked number three in the country. They're not that good. I I kept thinking, wow, UCLA could easily beat this team. Um, There are so many teams that I've watched. Purdue just went down uh, to Rutgers. 
Um, We've seen enough Matt Painter teams to yeah. know that 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 that's it's every Matt Painter team. They're going to be good on offense and they can't play defense. And and Mick Cronin, one of the uh, trends staples of his program is the team gets much better by March. Um, just remember UCLA's championship year in '95. Toby Bailey didn't even play at the beginning. The difference between Toby Bailey and J.R. Henderson by the end of the season was was a stark difference of where they had, where they started and where they ended up. That's the thing about talented freshmen. They have so much more. Like Jaime Jaquez could play better, but his ceiling's kind of limited on how much better he could get. We've seen him. A Dembona ceiling, I mean, literally, <laughs> is unlimited um, at this point on where he could be come March. So combine that with you got a coach who makes it his primary business to get his team playing at their best and improve by March. Dang, go out and watch some other teams. Guys, tape some games, wake up in the middle of the night, not that I do this, but do I do your work, and then and then watch all these other games. Um, wow, there, there. I don't. Maybe Houston. I don't know. Dave, is there another team out there that you really are? I think UConn is pretty good. UConn's pretty good. Yeah, um, I, I think UConn's probably the one that I would say um, enough right there with UCLA that it's not a huge difference. Um, they've got a lot of talent. Um, I think there's teams that present matchup issues for UCLA, but from a top to bottom perspective, it's hard to pick out another one like Arizona. UCLA could absolutely lose to Arizona and they could absolutely lose twice uh, because the combination of Balo and Tabellus could be really, really difficult to handle because they're both just big, tall guys. And if they make everything, um, as bad because Arizona's pretty bad defensively. They're they're not very good this year. Um, you, you play Caracrisa too many minutes, and that's what happens. Um, and frankly, a lot of these guys are not plus defenders. Um, but if they make everything, uh, and they might because you know Balo's been a a force down low, uh, that'll be tough. But from a top to bottom perspective, like team quality, like who's better and who could you know go the farthest. I think UCLA has got to be right there. And if you look at Vegas odds, I mean, they are. They're one of the top three or four third, teams. Third or fourth, right? Yeah, to to uh, favored to cut down the nets. So, I, yeah, I mean, I think people – so I notice this on the board a lot, and I, I understand it. Uh, a lot of people talking about the AP poll constantly. I mean, we put up stories about it. It's it's nonsense. Uh, the, the, the Purdue was not the top team in the country, and they, they never should have been. Uh, they, their defense isn't good enough. It's just they had a gaudy record. UCLA's record isn't so gaudy because they played real games against, you know, Illinois, Baylor, uh, Maryland, and Kentucky, and they lost the two in November that were, um, frankly, you know, before anybody really was ready, uh, before a lot of these freshmen were totally ready and before the seniors had gotten locked in. But even in those games, if you remember, uh, UCLA had second-half leads in both games. Um this is, 
again, uh, this is going back to one of the Howland years for me in terms of like team quality, where you just know from the jump, wow, that team's going to make a run. Don't know exactly how far, but they're going to make a run. Because uh, last year had, you know, it was a little shaky at times. This year, I don't have any shakiness about it. And I think, you know, Mick Cronin poo-pooed it in the uh, preseason. And I'm going to keep talking about it because he, he kept poo-pooing it. But uh, this is going to be his best defensive team. Uh, and I think it's going to be by by a mile at UCLA. Um, and his offense has been great. So uh, I think this team has the potential to win it all. For sure. Here's the other reason to really have fun with college basketball this year. Uh, let's just look at the net ra uh, rankings because, I mean, those do – I mean, AP and coaches have no impact on anything. They're, yeah, and UCLA is currently sixth. Yeah. UCLA sixth. Um, North Carolina was ranked number one. Well, not in net, but ranked number one going into the season. 29th. Mm-hmm. Duke. Um, I, you know what's great is when you have to scroll down. <laughs> <laughs> Duke is 16th. 16th. Gonzaga. 14th. 14th. Just from the standpoint, have we all been... I mean, not that these are hateable programs. I actually like, like North Carolina. But they get hateable when they win a lot. I mean, can you imagine how much everyone hated UCLA in the 60s and 70s? Um you win, you get hated. Um, and then when you get overrated, like North Carolina was to start the season. Um, but then when you see the three teams that fall under that column of being most hated recently, probably, maybe. Yeah. And they're and that's where they're ranked. That that's also really fun. Um, it's fun to watch Duke. Have you watched Duke much? A little bit. Because they're really talented. And it's funny, too, because you watch UCLA. They've got a freshman center who looks pretty thin. He's really, what is he, six eight and a half, six nine. Uh, yeah. Jaime Hawkes, undersized power forward. Uh, a, a, a little point guard. Um, and you just, they're not intimidating physically. And then you look up, and they're up by 24, and you go, how? You look at, you look at Duke. And they're trailing by three, and you say, how? <laughs> There's and so they're much stacked, talent. Absolutely stacked, stacked with talent. Their wow. bench is so talented. Yeah. I mean, I know everyone wants to, sometimes wants to question McCronin because we're so close. He's under a microscope, and you can nitpick anything. But just step back and really look at the coaching job that's being done. Um, wow. It's... It's really, really uh, amazing if you look at it in the context of the rest of college basketball. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I mean, not to belabor the point, but just no, turn turnover rates. Yeah. To instill that in so many different guys on your team, to instill that in the freshmen, to instill that in guys who haven't played is so hard. I mean, if you've watched AAU basketball, it is so hard to make guys value the it's ball. It's just so hard to watch. Well, and it's but it's also just like these games are meaningless. You play like four a day. You throw the ball out of bounds. Doesn't really matter. It's just it's all so stupid and awful to watch. To teach players who come out of that environment to just 
no, you gotta, if you turn the ball over, that's like, you know, that's like killing a pet. You know, you can't do that. Uh, it's it's stunning. It's absolutely crazy well, to have instilled that in all these guys this quickly. That's the thing, too. People early on in the season criticize Cronin for immediate hooks. A lot of those hooks are when you turn over the ball. Now, that might have people early on, players, second-guessing, not playing instinctively, but it gets it gets into their brain, and by this time or soon, you can see they are playing instinctually and they're not turning over the ball so it it is all part of the of the process and the theory and it clearly works um yeah we can nitpick some of the things that mick cronin does absolutely no one's perfect but when you really think about what he's doing just as the coach at ucla um literally like everything we've just talked about turnovers getting the team better. Um, it's it's really phenomenal how well coached the team is. Um, yeah. And just that to get a team to play such good defense when it's made up – I mean, he's, he's playing a true freshman center when he wasn't hurt, a true freshman shooting guard, uh, and then a bench of all youngsters – uh, is it it's six guys that are really playing their first year of college basketball pretty pretty phenomenal to get them bought in because you can teach someone how to play defense and it just doesn't sink in their first year i mean we've seen it so many times remember lorenzo mata oh yeah <laughs> um and then by seriously was he probably the best defensive center of the last 20 years at ucla by the time he was a senior yeah um, the way he could guard up was crazy. Yeah. No, he was he was just fun to watch defensively. Um, to get that to happen within year one. And you know what? Uh, another thing, you got to give the players a lot of credit too. Amari Bailey is should, I mean, has gotten so much attention. Um, I mean, he, he already has, he has a social media presence where he can make a decent living. Um, you know, his mom... You know, his mom dated, who'd she date? Drake. Oh, Drake. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I mean, high profile kid uh, comes from, has some money and comes in and defies all of that and is a hardworking kid who clearly is playing defense. Um. Pretty phenomenal. And I also want to say about Amari Bailey, and this is going to segue into the next thing I want to talk about. Um, everyone's questioning why he was projected as a NBA first rounder, one and dunner. Um, he got hurt his senior year in high school. And I, I can say right now, from what I saw of him before that injury, he's not athletically the same at this moment. He might be trying to... Either it's a long-term thing that he will eventually, re, you know, regain his athleticism, or he's trying to reimagine himself a little without that um, athleticism. What I saw him do in high school, I have not seen him do athletically so far at UCLA. Um, and that segues into, I'm going to write a story soon about who might stay and who might go. 
Um, Jaime Jaquez, he's going. He has another year of eligibility, but he's going. Uh, Tiger Campbell. It's not for certain Tiger Campbell doesn't return. Let's just say that. Up in the air. Don't don't know. He could go he could go play in Europe and probably make better money than he's making in NIL. But he could do that at any time. He has one year of eligibility remaining. Uh, we've been saying that Amari Bailey and Adembona were pretty certain to be going pro. We said that before the season. And we say that because the way these things work with five-star guys, it's already so figured out their path of what's going to happen and, and how they're going pro. It takes a lot to change that path. I can say that the past might be changing a little. I, there are the people who influence both Amari Bailey and Adembona are, are smart people. That's not a guy who would projected. These aren't guys who would be projected not to be drafted and would put their name in the draft. I would say Amari Bailey will probably not go put his name in the draft unless he has first round guarantees. That's that's kind of a right now. That's that's a leap for him. Um, he'd have to really get a lot better by March and show a lot more. Uh, for one thing, he's got to he's got to get come back from this injury. Um, longer he stays in this, longer he stays injured, the more uh, probability that he returns next year. Uh, a Dembona probably the same. I would think. I think a Dembona is probably a little bit quicker. To leave um, the acad being uh, being an international player, the academics are probably a little bit challenging. Probably get through them for a year. Second year might be um, just tough to think about. Um, but I would think if he doesn't get a, a favorable projection, maybe first round, there's a good not a good. There's a chance he returns. Um, I'd say the guy most likely to go. Uh, that we wouldn't have necessarily thought before the season is Jalen Clark, um, even without a jump shot. Uh, and it might be because the people who make decisions around him might not have as much savviness, might not uh, understand it as much. Um, and obviously, he's he's playing out of his mind. He is a jump shot away from being a first-round pick. Uh I could maybe see him, given everything I know, that he might put his name in without a guarantee of a first-round uh, draft spot. So that's kind of where it stands. Uh, I mean, I can talk about Ken Nuba. He he might come back himself. He's got another year of eligibility. Um, but that's probably where it stands. It's obviously a very, very fluid situation. This is going to change by March and April or even beyond that when they make their decisions. Um, but I guess the takeaway is that there is a possibility that some guys return among those we thought were leaning towards that we would have projected would leave after the season. If you look at their roster, if they get two of the three among Jalen Clark, Adembona, and Amari Bailey to return next year, wow, that that would be that would be a pretty fun returning lineup. Um, I'll say again, 
Give to the men of Westwood Collective <laughs> so that Tiger Campbell stays in school for another year. Yeah. Wow. I mean, if Tiger Campbell stays and Amari Bailey, Jalen Clark, and Adembona all stay, and then with the incoming three freshmen, Bastion Mack, Devin Williams, and Brandon Williams, they'd only have one scholarship to give. That is if Ken Uba also returns. So let's just say one or two of those guys leave. They don't have as many scholarships to give as we might think. And between international recruiting and transfer recruiting, they'll they'll get some guys. Um, so, yeah, very exciting, um, especially given that at this point now I could see a Dembona and Amari Bailey returning. Now, if they have huge second halves of the season, huge tournaments, no. Um, but but, but one thing to talk about, Dave, a, a Dembona, they're just – He's there aren't there aren't a lot of six eight and a half six nine post players in the NBA, right? No, yeah. I mean, you can play some small ball center, but if you're going to do that, you got to be you got to be a shooter. Yeah. So yes, and Dave is right. Men of Westwood, <laughs> it's it's an it impacts their decisions if they think they could stay at UCLA and make a little bit of money and then have a year like Jaime Hawkes. Jaime Hawkes projected last year late second round, maybe. Mm-hmm. He's probably late first round now, right? Yeah. Yeah. That You tell me, how much more money did he make? Or a lot of money. I mean, I, I don't know the exact amounts, but uh, you're going from probably minimum salary to uh, – you know, getting a guaranteed deal like four hundred thousand a year to probably a couple of million a year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's obviously huge for that. But if you can do that while also making a couple hundred grand in school, now we're talking. Um, so give to the men of Westwood Collective. Help to uh, help to keep uh, UCLA's team intact for uh, the twenty twenty three twenty twenty four season. What a pitch! <laughs> that's a great pitch. Yeah. Uh, and again, to reiterate, there are going to be two links in this story. There's going to be one to the football collective. Give to that one. There's going to be one to the basketball collective. Give to that one. You have to give to both. And we know who you are if you give to both. You don't have to give to both. But Dave, uh, if you want to give to basketball, you got to give to basketball. If you want to give to football, give to football. Um, and if you want to give to both, give to both. Set up plans for both. Um, and uh, and you will be helping to support uh, UCLA's roster building for the foreseeable future. There you go. All right. Well, that was fun. Action-packed. It was oh. great. All Can right. we just, like, this was a great podcast. Can we just run this every week? We should. Okay. We should try it next week, see if anyone notices. I doubt it. <laughs> All right. For... Tracy Pearson, I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online, and we'll talk to you again next time. See y'all. CBS Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.